Doing great, baby. Let's go Raider Nation. Fresh year. Let's go get it. It's unnecessary roughness. Josh Jacobs, 74 yards on 13 carries, and he gets it again. Pitches it back to Carr. Looking downfield for Devontae Adams. It's straight at the five. Touchdown Raiders. And that's even more glorious. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. We've been talking a lot about the addition of Marcus Peters. Raiders signed him to a one-year deal worth up to $5 million. We found that out as the show started. Uh, Mike Clay from ESPN says, Peters is 30, hasn't played a full season since 2019, but this is a major addition for a defense with several big concern areas. But Peters performs a nice one-two punch with Nate Hobbs. That's from Mike Clay from ESPN. Join us now on the phone lines as we kick off hour number three of the show is Brian Fisher, college football writer for Fox Sports. And, Brian, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you. And I was telling earlier, talking about the series of, of pieces that you put out about uh, programs and how they prepare their players for the NFL. And the one that really caught my attention was prepping for the NFL, who is the best at producing pro defensive backs? And, well, defensive back is a position that's very difficult to play in the NFL, especially in this passing league. So that really caught my eye. At one point, I always thought it was the SEC. I always thought it was Alabama. But now all of a sudden you're seeing guys like Sauce Gardner. You're seeing guys like Tariq Woolen. So is the power shifting a little bit about where these big-time DBs are coming from? You know, a little bit. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, the whole point of the series was really to kind of look into specifically coaching. I mean, we know that, uh, you know, there, there are certain programs, especially located in, in the South, that, uh, you know, might be, uh, you know, get their lion's share of talent. But, but really in terms of the coaching development aspects, you know, who, who is the best? And you know, no, no surprise, it's, it's some of the usual suspects. It's, it's your Nick Saban's of the world and all that. But, you know, I, I think the, the thing about defensive back is when you kind of look at the numbers and you look at what, what all the Power 5 coaches have produced, most coaches, you know, have one or two guys, and I think that's just kind of reflective a little bit of, of the position as well. Um, in, in the fact that you know, what, especially at the NFL level, you're cycling through a lot of those guys, so you got to end up producing them out of uh, out of the ranks, and that's why you know, really every NFL draft, you're going to see uh, that be one of the most uh, picked positions uh, in, in in the draft, and that allows for you know a lot of these coaches, whether they're developing guys that kind of on the low end uh, coming in, you know, two three stars up to the, the five stars. It really allows them to, uh, to to kind of put in their onus on, on development. And uh, we, we see that with uh, some big-name coaches, certainly, but um, some surprises as well. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I noticed in the piece you mentioned uh, Baylor's Dave Aranda. I was there. I used to cover Baylor like a glove, so I, I've seen the guys he's put into the league. I saw the guys Matt Rule put into the league, and, and I even saw the guys that uh, Art Briles put into the league. And unfortunately for Briles, those guys never really – made it in the league outside of Xavier Howard he did really well uh and he always used to say that well it's not my job to prepare them for the NFL it's my job to win college games how much is that not the conversation by college coaches anymore you know I I think it's become less and less because they understand the value that it not only on draft day but but really when they're going into you know living rooms or or going into uh guys' homes to to recruit them and they can say Hey, look! I've produced ten guys, you know, at your position or, or whatnot, and you know, I think it matters as well on, on the assistant level where they can kind of point to their track record of development. But uh, ultimately, you're you're pretty much going a lot now, a lot of days, uh, just for the, that head coach. And so it, it, it's key to kind of go into those living rooms, uh, you know, talk with with uh, parents that you know might be concerned about how you know how, how does this guy take the, the next step in his career, and you know, a lot of that comes down to uh, development and, and making sure that they're prepared, not just to play college games and play them well. 
but display those attributes and, and those traits that the NFL is looking, whether you're, you're a slot corner, whether you're a safety, whether you're a guy uh, that can kind of go out on an island there at, at corner. Uh, it's important to kind of teach not only the right technique, but make sure that uh, guys are prepared for that next level because that is a huge selling point now, uh, almost as much as winning games. You know, and one of the things that I've noticed as the college game has continued to develop and and these guys are going to the NFL is that wide receiver and defensive back I think used to be two of the toughest positions to go into the league and and all of a sudden thrive and be really good immediately. It seems like that position is a lot easier to transition to the NFL now, even though nothing's easy. But is that because there's so much of the passing game, so much of the wide-open game is being played in college, and now it's trickling into the NFL as well? I think that's a little bit of it. And I kind of go back really five, ten years ago when, you know, really seven-on-seven, seven, you know, continued to really explode onto the scene. I mean, this has been something that's going on for, for 20 years now, but really the last ten years, you know, it's gone to really all, all parts of the country. And, and I think those additional reps, you know, during the summer where you're – uh, most of the times going one-on-one against guys, that, that can really kind of do a little iron sharpening iron uh, in, in terms of especially those defensive backs, those wide receivers. We know how much those additional reps have helped quarterbacks just in terms of getting comfortable, reading defenses, all that sort of thing. And so I, I think high school guys are, are better prepared going into college. I, I, I get that sense, um, you know, just in talking with, with a lot of guys, that they're not afraid to play freshmen uh, like they once were. It's, it's not The game is not as fast, you know, when, when they kind of make that transition from Fridays into Saturdays. And uh, honestly, that, that's helped when it comes to the, the next level as well. You know, guys are just kind of more prepared. They're, they're seeing more at the, at the college game, and especially now that there is more wide-open offensive concepts. It's not just kind of sticking with the West Coast or the I-formation at the, at the next level. You're seeing uh, teams go more often, you know, go, go shotgun four wide, or, uh, you know, maybe you're in 11 personnel here or there. But, uh, you know, it, the, the games have kind of merged a little bit. And so I think that, that plus the extra reps that have really helped in terms of some of these positions and, and developing them. On the flip side, it really, I think, it's kind of hurt a little bit when it comes to offensive and defensive linemen just because they're, they're not seeing those extra reps, you know, during the summer. And um, that, those are kind of truly the, the hardest positions to kind of evaluate, not only from an NFL perspective, but also uh, on, on the college side as well. Talking right now with Brian Fisher, college football writer for Fox Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Rough, this is his piece, prepping for the NFL, who is the best at producing pro defensive backs. So you put this out on the 19th, and I was reading it, and, you know, Nick Saban, as you mentioned, and Alabama was there at number one. We've seen Georgia now as back-to-back national champions. How close is that gap between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban? How close is Georgia getting? Well, you know, I really wanted to kind of look at not just production overall, because in terms of the overall production of those numbers, like Nick Saban just blows – everybody out of the water you know he, he's been a head coach for 27 seasons now and, and you go back to even his days at michigan state and, and lsu i mean he has been churning out draft picks he, he has the most and I, I i didn't go about back and fully count but I, I believe bobby bowden has the most nfl picks uh, over his career nick saban should be in the next draft be able to pass bobby uh for the total number of draft picks he's, he's produced as a head coach so like in terms of overall numbers there's nobody that comes close to what nick saban does but you know, I try to kind of take in take that into account in terms of how long have you been coaching, how how good have you been, you know, kind of on a per year basis in terms of production. And frankly, Kirby Smart is is about to blow Nick Saban out of the water if he keeps having a couple of these classes. I mean, there's there's a reason why Georgia is setting uh, you know records for you know largest draft classes uh, each spring, and and I, I would expect that to continue when when you look at not only the Bulldogs what they got coming back for, for this season and in college football, but uh, really the kind of talent factory that that he has developed down there. I mean, you look at linebackers in particular. You know the guy is just churning them out, and and that includes defensive backs as well. That's his specialty. Obviously, Kirby was was you know Nick Saban's longtime defensive backs coach, so he had a hand in a few of those as well. But um, 
it, it is quite the talent factor, factory down there in Athens, and uh, I, I don't see anything kind of slowing that down in, in, in the near future at least. You know, and you've done the series. You talked about quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, like all, all the different positions. The defensive backs was the final one in the series. When you look at quarterbacks, and it's funny, every year I feel like people say, man, if you need a quarterback, you, you need to get one next year. This is not the year. Well, next year is coming up with Caleb Williams and Drake May. They're the leaders of the clubhouse. So when you look at the quarterback position, where are the most, the most successful quarterbacks coming from these days? Well, I'll give you the two names, and I think you can probably figure them out. Obviously, Lincoln Riley is right up there, and he is the coach of Caleb Williams, probably going to be his third number one overall draft pick come next spring. So, you know, like when it comes to the overall highest of high-end production, it's hard to beat that. But, you know, Ryan Day kind of topped my list just in terms of when you look at the production, he's had three top 15 picks there at quarterback, including the number two pick in his past draft, and really – uh, he, he's been churning them out there since arriving at, at Ohio State and uh, hasn't really missed. And so I think, you know, that's, you know, kind of can inform you a little bit in terms of going into this 2023 season uh, a little bit. What's the biggest question mark surrounding the Buckeyes? Well, everybody says maybe it's replacing CJ Stroud at quarterback. Well, if you kind of look at this and, and, and how Ryan, how good Ryan Day has been at developing that position, getting guys to the NFL. Uh, less of a worry, I, I think, if, if you're an OSU fan, certainly looking at this. But uh, th- those are the two names that, that obviously stick out. But, I mean, Nick Saban, the last couple of years, he's started to produce first-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. He's highly high, high up there. Jimbo Fisher, certainly from his time dating back even to uh, you know Florida State, able to ve- develop guys even at the low end. Chris Kleiman has, has had a number two pick uh, overall. He, he's got a pretty good quarterback himself there at Kansas State uh, for, for the reigning Big 12 champion. So, a lot of familiar names, uh, certainly, but uh, I think when it comes to the, the elite of the elite, it, it's Ryan Day or Lincoln Riley, which kind of makes them joining the same league next year even more intriguing. Yeah, that will be super intriguing. You know, I know that there was a time, Brian, where it's like, yeah, the Big 12 is fun. It's, uh, you know, basketball on grass, but that never translates into the NFL. And now all of a sudden you see, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the best of the best, right? You saw Baker Mayfield go number one. You saw Kyler Murray go number one. Uh, now they haven't been as successful as Patrick Mahomes, but you can see how the, the, spread, open, the spread out game and, and the wide open game has translated to the NFL. How much has that made it easier for some of these quarters to go back, quarterbacks go into the league and be successful early? I, I think it's made it uh, extremely, you know, th- that transition so much easier. And, and you're seeing, I mean, rookie, you know, it used to be thought, oh, you know, maybe this rookie will play at the back half of the, of the year. You know, he'll have to pick up the offense, get used to the speed of the game. And really that's kind of been thrown out the, out the door. I mean, even this rookie class that uh, we, we just had taken in, in Kansas City this spring, um, you know, look at a lot of those guys and, you know, I, let's face it, Bryce Young probably in line to start the first couple of weeks. You know, C.J. Stroud kind of in, in, in a similar boat. Um, you know, really the developmental aspect of, of getting these guys at the next level, uh, you know, that, that, that's no longer there, both from a patient standpoint and from the fact that, you know, these guys come in, they've been working with their personal quarterback coaches for, for years on, on end. You know, like the, the mechanics are not as concerning to a lot of these NFL teams. And if there is, you know, a minor thing here or there that they're able to get, get it corrected in the offseason – Physically, these guys are coming in and they're ready. They, they've been, uh, you know, doing what it takes in the, in the weight room and in terms of keeping their bodies right. And so, like these quarterbacks are, are as prepared as ever. And then you marry that with the fact that you know, let's face it, the offensive corners have become a lot more creative in the NFL these last couple of years. And so that's kind of been a really a perfect storm in terms of getting guys out of college, getting them on those rookie contracts, and, and finding some good success with them. And I think that's why people have made that transition so easy. Is a lot of the concepts that you're seeing on. On, on Saturday are replicated now on Sunday, and that wasn't the case maybe five, ten years ago. 
Brian Fisher is our guest here from Fox Sports talking all things college football and how it translates into the NFL game. Just got a couple more questions for you. The Raiders selected Tyree Wilson, number seven overall in this past year's draft, and he's injured right now coming back from that foot injury, but he came out of the Big 12. He came out of Texas Tech. That's like two negatives when you talk about defense. I mean, guys don't come from Texas Tech and are dominant defensive players, and a lot of times you don't look at the Big 12 as a defensive uh, conference, but both are true in this situation. Really good player. Uh, is, is it starting to change with some of these different head coaches like a Dave Aranda and others that are in the Big 12 now where they're focusing in on defense? Oh, absolutely. And, and you kind of go down the list there of Big 12 coaches. You know, more and more of them do have that kind of defensive background. So I, I think the kind of nature of the league, you know, in addition to bringing in some of the new schools, has, has been changing for the last couple of years. And, you know, frankly, somebody like Tyree Wilson, he's a guy that's gotten those extra reps. You know, when, when those teams are going fast or they're, they're, they're playing behind – uh, you know, you kind of get those extra defensive reps, and so you're able to showcase a little bit more of what you can do in certain situations. So I think that that's helped as well. And, um, you know, the Big 12, really after kind of the last, I would, I'd say kind of three years of, of being down, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, you, you can see the talent. And some of that is is just because of the transfer portal. Let's face it, some, yeah. somebody like Wilson, you know, he transferred from A&M to Tech. So, right. uh, you know, you kind of get guys that, uh, you know, maybe don't find success in one place, but you know what? just from a system standpoint, from a comfort standpoint, from just really being out there and, and, and starting and, and getting those extra reps that they wouldn't have at another school, you know, they're able to develop better uh, as the year goes on and, and turn into a top 10 pick. So I, I think it's a combination of all those factors, but, um, you know, more and more, I, I think that uh, negativity surrounding Big 12 defenders probably going away in the near future, just in terms of that kind of overall narrative that we've seen and, and frankly, as well as on, on the number side. Final question for you. I wanted to ask you about the running back position. Obviously, here in Las Vegas, we're paying attention to Josh Jacobs, who's got the franchise tag, didn't sign it. But all the conversation is we hear running backs are devalued. And, and Brian, I wanted to ask you about the running backs. I feel like you can find great running backs in college football from anywhere, and that's the problem is the supply and demand. There's so many great running backs. Is there a particular place that is churning out the best running backs these days? It used to be Alabama, but it feels like it's not that way anymore. Well, you know, Alabama isn't uh, too bad of a spot to, to go no, find a, not a running at all. back at, at all either way. But, uh, you know, I, I think the, the the new one is, is Georgia. You know, you, you mm-hmm. look at what the Bulldogs have been able to do. Uh, you know, Kirby Smart really churning out guys at the, at the high end in terms of having some first-rounders. He, he's had some guys that you know, started out as, as two stars, ended up being mid-round picks or, or late-round picks. So uh, that is a, a position to where he, he's found some some terrific success. And that's probably going to be the, the next go-to. You know, if, if you don't like what you see coming out of Alabama, and, and look, they had a first-rounder this past year, so uh, we know scouts uh, like what they're seeing out of there. But you know, if you don't like what you're seeing out of there, you can probably get a different uh, type or, or somebody a little bit later out of Georgia as well. But um, you know, you're, you're right about your, your overall point right there. There are so many good running backs coming out of the college game. You know, that, this is why. They're putting on pressure at, at running backs at the next level. So that's why uh, you know, handing second contracts out to that guy's when you can get somebody in the draft, and, and really you don't even have to wait for the first round, you can probably get second or third round. Uh, you know that, that's why teams have devalued this position so more because they know wave after wave is coming up from those college ranks. Right, and the Raiders drafted Zamir White out of Georgia, as you mentioned, fourth-round pick, right? And he's a, a national champion. I mean, he's got some skins on the wall. He, he's a player, and there's plenty of them uh, in the college game. So it's, it's kind of watering down and devaluing the running back position in the NFL. Well, Brian, fantastic stuff. Again, the whole series prepping for the NFL. This one I was talking about, who is the best at producing pro defensive backs. Really good stuff, really intriguing. What else are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? 
Well, it's kind of, you know, we're in the thick of media day season. So we're, uh, you know, doing, doing a lot of stuff, talking with a lot of coaches. And, uh, you know, it, it does feel like, you know, the, the season started. We've got training camps in the NFL, media days on, on the college side, and, and they'll be open in fall camp soon. So a lot of coverage uh, surrounding that on, on, on Fox Sports as well as, uh, you know, check it in a little bit on, on the Women's World Cup that we have there on, on Fox Sports as well. There you go. We'll be doing it. Well, De- Brian, great stuff, man. Thanks for giving us some time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you so much. Brian Fisher, college football writer for Fox Sports, on Twitter at Brian D. Fisher, and that's Brian with the Y. Really good stuff right there. Again, prepping for the NFL, who is the best at producing pro defensive backs, but he also did a piece on the quarterbacks, the running backs, wide receivers and tight ends, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and linebackers. So he had the whole team covered like a glove. Really good stuff, and, and sometimes it helps peel back the curtain a little bit and shed a little bit of light and understanding on why certain things are the way they are when it comes to the NFL. And I will say, I think defensive back and wide receiver used to be some of the toughest positions to, to trans, you know, trans, translate from the college game to the NFL game. But because, as he mentioned, seven on seven, because of the wide open schemes, now you're not just getting quality defensive backs from Bama and Georgia and Clemson. Now you're getting them from Cincinnati and UTSA and Maryland. And you know what I mean? Like this, they're coming from all over because, look, it's wide open like some old school TV antennas talking about the college game, right? And you've got to be able to defend the whole field. And so these guys are getting more opportunities and more reps and that is a big deal. So there you go. Good stuff right there from Brian Fisher. Again, college football writer at Fox Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Brian D. Fisher. 417 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Wait, what are you going to say? All right, go ahead. Well, my bad. I just got Lois, uh, Lois Cali Raider. If you got a sick. Oh, yeah. Let's go ahead let's and go it. to Lo- yeah, Lois Cali Raider. You're up. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Q? How you doing? I'm blessed, man. Hey, man. So one question you know, I have for um, Coach McDaniels is, you know, we talk about Jimmy G and his injuries and stuff like that, man. But, you know, if we were talking about that, I guess I, w- I would ask him, Daniels, you know, what what is your expectations for Jimmy G? Let's just assume he is healthy the whole season. You know what I mean? Yep. As far as the red zone scoring goes and, and all that stuff. Because if I'm Jimmy G, I got to imagine I'm, I, I, I'll get tired of hearing all this stuff about me being injured and mm-hmm. not being able to come through, you know. So but let's just say he was healthy, man. Let's just say. He was full go 100%. Like, what would your expectations be for him and as far as the season goes? All right, good stuff. Lois Cali Raider, thank you for the call. And he's responding to the question that I threw out there about Josh McDaniels meeting with the media tomorrow morning at 930. And if you had an opportunity to ask him what one question, what would it be? And he's asking about the, you know, the, the thoughts on Jimmy G and expectations. And you're right. I think that Jimmy G's probably tired of hearing about him being injury prone. I remember at his opening presser, he was asked about the injuries and asked about, you know, is it some of the, one of those things where it's just kind of like a mindset to be able to get over those injuries? And he's like, man, they're frustrating. Right, I'm tired of being injured too. Like, I mean, so you you know that it bothers them. It would bother anybody, right? If if anyone, no matter what you did, if there was a, a negative that would just rad, rode with you all the time. Like Ari's really good when he shows up, right? So if he's gonna be there, he'll be good. Like if if they said that, or you know, Q's good twice out of the, out of the week. You know, t- Q has two good shows a week. Uh, you know, he only has two good shows. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that would that would bother the hell out of me. So, I mean, it's just like whatever you do, if there was a negative that always rode with you, no matter what the conversation was, 
yeah, it would definitely drive you crazy. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. So I think that uh, reasonable expectations, asking expectations to Josh McDaniels for, for Jimmy G and the, what the offense would look like, and I think that that's the way to word it. I think that that's a, that's a really good question. So, uh, Lowe's Cali Raider, thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. And you can continue with those calls as well at 702-365-9200, the don'tbebroke.com, text sign 69187, keyword r We still got a lot to get to on today's show, including uh, reason or excuse, plus Got some more sound that I want you to hear. And, uh, of course, like I mentioned, we'll take your calls and texts responding to the question. Now that Marcus Peters is signed, sealed, and delivered, you know that that's a, a fact. He's a member of the Raiders. What are your expectations for him? What do you think he brings to the team and the defense and the secondary in particular? And then also, if you had a question, like Lois Kelly Raider did, that you would ask Josh Daniels tomorrow morning at 930 when he meets with the, the, the press to open up uh, the Raiders training camp for 2023, what would that question be? 419 is the time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. I think it was important for him, number one, to sort of show that he's maintained that level and he's still able to play at that level, but also kind of ward off a guy like Justin Jefferson who is coming to take that crown. I think most people right now would say he's the number one wide receiver in the NFL. At PFF, we're saying he may have joined Devontae Adams on that plane, but, you know, there's no sign that Devontae Adams has lost that crown. He's still playing at that level, so the king stays the king. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Friend of the show, Sam Monson, right there from Pro Football Focus, talking about Devontae Adams and where he stands as far as number one wide receiver in the league. And Justin Jefferson obviously is making a case up in Minnesota. He's a fantastic wide receiver. But Devontae Adams is still Devontae Adams, and he he still has the stones to get it done, right? He's still doing it at a very high level. And it's funny uh, hearing that about Devontae makes me think about this weekend and, and the Jets having training camp and there was a really good catch that Garrett Wilson made in the back of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers, and so everyone said, well, Aaron Rodgers has his new Devontae Adams and Garrett Wilson, and I'm like, hold on, man. Hold on, bro. Say, bro. Say, say, dog. Slow your roll a little bit, pimpin'. Like, I know Garrett Wilson is a really good wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. Uh, as I was talking about in the last segment, wide receivers and DBs have come out of college, and they're a lot better than they were back in the day. But Devontae Adams has been doing it at a high level for a long time. So don't tell me that a, a touchdown catch, a tough catch in training camp against your own guys is going to make you say that Devontae Adams or the, that's the new Devontae Adams, right? And I, look, again, I know Garrett Wilson is a good wide receiver, but you've got to be able to earn that, that, that crown during the regular season, and you've got to be able to do it for quite a while. I mean – Devontae Adams has the longevity. It's not just a couple catches here, a couple catches there. It's actually something that myself and Harry Douglas talked about today on ESPN Radio about overreacting to what you see and hear in training camp preseason. And it immediately re reminded me when John Gruden said that Brian Edwards was going to be the next Randy Moss or T.O. because he had the body type, right? And, and we all – and I thought that Brian Edwards was going to be good. He had big hands. He can go up and, and you know, snack, snatch the ball. His big thing was staying healthy. It seems like that's been a theme that I've been talking about quite a bit lately, but that was the thing. So I thought he was going to be good, have an opportunity to be good, but never did I think he was going to be Randy Moss and T.O. or T.O. Uh, and all of a sudden I was thrown out there, and, and I know the way that John Gruden said it, it wasn't necessarily like he's going. that's who he's going to be, but kind of reminded him of T.O. and Randy Moss, and everybody ran with it. Uh, and then, well, we see what happened with Brian Edwards. The Raiders moved on from him. He went to Atlanta. Atlanta's moved on from him. He's now in New Orleans. <laughs> right, so I mean, he's moved around quite a bit, but it's it's it's, I guess it's just the nature of the beast on how 
difficult it is to, no matter how much you have as far as potential, how difficult it is to actually thrive in the NFL and be there consistently and stick around. Like, all these guys are super uber talented. Like, they're not in the NFL, and I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. You can look at the Raiders roster right now, and there's not one dude on this list that's not talented. It, there's not, right? Because you're not in the NFL if you're not talented. But it's the thing about staying in the NFL, carving out your role, sticking there, and, and doing it for a long amount of time, and getting back to Devontae Adams. That's what he's done. And even he said there was a point in his career where he's like, man, I better have a big year or they might be releasing me. And it's funny for us to think that now, Devontae Adams released, yeah, right. But that's what every wide receiver really needs to think about. Every wide receiver or every player, they need to think that, hey, once I get to the league, it ain't about, hey, I got here, yay, I'm here. No, it's about sticking. It's about staying. It's about doing everything you can to prove that you belong in the National Football League. You know, I saw the report about Chase Claypool for the Chicago Bears. He's He's starting camp on the pup list. Chase Claypool has been one of the worst moves that the Bears have made. If you remember, they traded with Pittsburgh last year, right before the trade deadline for Chase Claypool. You know what they ended up giving up? The number 32 overall pick for Chase Claypool. You know what he did? He played in seven games, had a handful of catches, no touchdowns. And now guess what? Now he's starting on the pup list, so he's injured. Didn't really do too much in OTAs. Didn't really do too much in mandatory minicamp. And he's, you know, on the pup list. So he's going to be out until he's able to get back onto the field for the Chicago Bears. And, oh, by the way, he's going into the last year of his deal. So after this year, he can literally walk. They basically swapped a first-round pick for a guy who could walk and hasn't given him anything. There's moves that are made that are good, and then there's that move. That move was not a good move. Talking about the addition of Marcus Peters, uh, I mentioned before we talked to our guy Brian Fisher from Fox Sports. Uh, Mike Clay from ESPN says Peters is 30, hasn't played a full season since 2019, but this is a major addition for a defense with several big concern areas. Peters forms a nice one-two punch with Nate Hobbs. That's from Mike Clay on ESPN. Just when Wendy hit us up on Twitter said, Hey Q, I absolutely never bet on football wins and losses, but I would bet big money with Marcus Peters and the Raiders will not blow a double-digit lead to lose any games this year. So she's saying that any of those loss or any of those games that they had a nice little comfortable lead in and they found a way to lose, like the Cardinals game week two at Allegiant Stadium, is not going to happen this year with Marcus Peters because he will find a way to make a play. Combine him with Max Crosby. Combine him with Nate Hobbs. Combine him with Devon Diablo. Combine him with Chandler Jones. Combine him with maybe Trayvon Merrick at the back end. Maybe Chris Smith at the back end. Marcus Epps, who they brought in as a free agent. Those guys have to find a way to make sure that what just when Wendy just described on Twitter does not happen. You have a double-digit win, nine times out of ten, you better win that game. Right? There's really not any excuse. And I know the NFL, especially when it's only a ten-point lead, that can be a race quick, fast, in a hurry. We saw the Chargers blow a 27-point lead in the playoffs to the Jaguars. That's a fireable offense as far as I'm concerned. It didn't happen, but that, in my opinion, is a firing offense. But we also saw the Raiders blow a 20-point lead to the Cardinals week two. They were up 20 nothing at halftime. Nelly was performing. It's getting hot in her. Allegiant Stadium was losing their mind. The press box is feeling themselves a little bit because, you know, Nelly's performing. Everyone's in a good mood. Cats like me think I'm back in my, you know, late 20s, early 30s and everything. You know what I mean? Like, we all about to go to the club afterwards. Then all of a sudden, by the end of the game, it became a mausoleum, right? It became a funeral home. It became a morgue. Got quiet. People are walking out of Allegiant Stadium with their heads down unless they were a Cardinal fan. 
It was bad. I had family and friends in from Texas. Had a whole handful of them. We all had gone to the Nelly concert at the M Resort on Saturday, the night the night before the game. I think it was Saturday. No, my maybe it was Friday. I think it was Friday night. Yeah, I needed. <laughs> I'm too old to be able to do back to back performances. <laughs> I got. I if I'm going out on Friday night, I'm taking all Saturday to recover. <laughs> I ain't got it in me like that, Ari. I can't. I can't do that. Uh, go out party. Wake up a couple hours later, and I'm good to go. Nah, man, I'm slow rising out of bed, brother. You're doing your own back-to-back performances, back-to-back-to-back, actually. Right. So. Yeah, man, that's – that's yeah, I can't – yeah, so so the Nelly show was on a Friday. I took Saturday to kind of rest and relax and get my, my, uh, my juice back for the game on uh, on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, man, everything was everything was great that day until it wasn't, right? And so that's one of those that obviously stands out in a major way. The Rams lost on Thursday night. That was a terrible one with Baker Mayfield. That's a game where someone's got to make a play. That's a game where I'm assuming a guy like Marcus Peters says, gets a little edge, starts talking a little trash to his teammates, and, hey, we ain't going to let this happen. Hey, you got to be better. Do your damn job, right? Get a little something in his neck. That's, that's, that's the kind of game I expect a guy like Marcus Peters to thrive in. When he knows that a play needs to be made, Go and make that play. That's a really good observation from Just Win Wendy. Definitely appreciate the feedback by way of Twitter. Of course, you could always hit us up on Twitter at r and 920 am at Ari Produces, at your boy Q254. That's Twitter for you. Also, we have the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Robin Oakland said, it must be hard to ask a good question of a head coach because they're so good at talking nonsense. I'd want to ask Josh McDaniels, after coaching football for another full season, how has the NFL game or the NFL players changed from your initial head coaching experience? Or how has the front office opinion of running backs changed over the last 10 to 15 years and why? Rob in Oakland, really good questions right there. And, yeah, it, it's, it is difficult at times to ask a question in a press conference setting because you know – one, that coaches are so guarded, and players at, at, at times as well are so guarded, they don't want to give you too much, if anything at all. And they, they've really, like Rob said, mastered the art of kind of t- saying a lot without saying anything at all, giving you a lot of words, maybe give you a nice two-minute answer without really giving you a whole lot of information. I feel like, though, if you really listen to Coach McDaniels, and sometimes that's why I never talk and I never ask a question, is because I'm too busy listening. I think if you really listen that you could pick up what he's trying to say. And, you know, I always go back to our, our back and forth that we had last training camp when I asked him about, you know, not learning how not to lose games as opposed to winning games. And he was like, wait a minute, hold on. Let's pass Q. Let's pass him first. And, and then he was like, that's a trick question. I was like, no, it's not. You know, it's, it, it's, it's real. Like, you know, and I know that this is a philosophy that you believe in because I had done the research. I had people that have talked to him plenty of times, and that's one of the, his emphasis. And so when I – when I explained myself further, and he actually knew I knew what the hell I was talking about, that's when he went into a very um, elaborate question or answer, and it it it, it led it led the headlines for a, quite a while. For a, it felt like a week or so at least uh, when it came to you know people that were writing about the Raiders, people that were in the media uh, session were talking about that and, and how he was really focused in on that. And it seemed like during preseason. And training camp, that's what they were focused in on. It just didn't translate in the, in the regular season as far as not beating yourself, not having stupid penalties, not turning the ball over, stuff like that. It didn't happen once the season came, but that was something that they were definitely focused in on in, uh, you know, in, in training camp in the preseason. So, yeah, it, it gets difficult at times to ask questions, but if you just think about it and don't make it one of those just an easy yes, no, or – or, you know, I don't have an answer on that. Like, you have to think about it. And that's why I go back to thinking about the answer before I ask the question. 
you know, what do I think, knowing Coach now for, you know, about a season, what do I think his answer is going to be and how will I get an answer that will actually give me a little bit more details, a little bit more information. And sometimes, you know, you'll hear guys ask questions and it sounds like they're trying to talk themselves into questions. That is the most frustrating thing ever. Uh, it's, it's, it's the worst. You, but you'll hear it. Sometimes you'll hear a guy ask a two-minute question and he won't ask a question until the last 10 seconds. Or she, you know, he or she, I don't want to, you know, make it exclusive to some one person. But it's just like that's what happens because they know they want to ask a question, but they don't exactly know the words because they're trying to get that good answer out of them. So it's like they'll talk, 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 sometimes answer the question for them, and then get back to asking the question. And that happens in interviews, radio interviews. And I know I've done it a couple times, and I, like, beat myself up when I do that because I know that's terrible radio and terrible interviewing skills. I try to not do that, but a lot of times you'll hear that happening. And, that's again, that's just trying to get the answer as opposed to getting what Rob was talking about, about that, you know, the beating around the bush or the – or the really no answer, just kind of the fluff with no answer. Um, as far as the the front office question on running backs, uh, I don't. I, I, I am intrigued by what the answer would be, because I, I have a feeling it would be oh the front office or our philosophy on running backs hasn't changed, even though we know it has changed as far as how they go about compensating them. I think it's I think they still realize how important the running back is. And remember when Coach McDaniels came over from New England, it was running back by committee. We all believed that it was going to be running back by committee going into last year. I didn't think Josh McDaniels was going to – or excuse me, Josh Jacobs was going to touch the ball 393 times. I didn't. But then there was a point where he, he didn't come off the field. <laughs> You're like, okay, he's going he's gonna to touch the ball a lot. And he carried it 353 times and had 40 catches or 343 times and had 50 catches, whatever the case was. I mean, he, it was well over 300-something touches as far as just running the ball. For Jacobs, and that I know that wasn't the plan. And Coach McDaniels has said that wasn't the plan. He's used to running back by committee, so I don't think that I don't think the philosophy has changed on him. It's just the philosophy on the compensation has changed, and he won't he won't get into that. He'll say that that is uh, that is an answer uh, or question for something that's higher than his pay grade. <laughs> so he'll deflect that answer, that one to uh, to GM Dave Ziegler. But thank you, uh, Rob, for that text. I do appreciate you. Uh, Cucamonga Raiders said. Uh, we just signed that one homie that you always want to have in your corner because if you ever get in a bar fight, <laughs> the bar fight of the Raiders being every Sunday this season, he gives you that edge that we need talking about Marcus Peters. And I like I like how you said that, and he is that guy that you want to have in your corner because you know that even in a situation where, you know, you might be outmanned, he ain't going back down, right? <laughs> he's that one that, that it don't matter what the fight looks like. If it looks like it's a, a fight that you ain't going to win, he's still going to be ready for it. And I, and I mean this in, in NFL terms. Right, I mean, he ain't going to back down to nobody, and he's going to make sure that he encourages everybody on that defense not to back down to anybody. And the one thing that stands out to me from what Max Crosby said uh, after the season in the locker room, and I asked him about, about players and, and bringing in players, he said, we need dogs. I think we all can agree that, that Marcus Peters is a dog. So when the huddle snaps, and I think I saw JT tweet this out, that uh, Raider Nation should be happy to see Max Crosby and Marcus Peters uh, you know, break the huddle together. When, when the huddle breaks and you got Max Crosby coming out of that huddle and you got Marcus Peters going to the outside, you know, you got a guy like Chandler Jones who's been there, done that, and you're hoping that he has a bounce-back season. Hopefully sooner rather than later you see a guy like Tyree Wilson uh, breaking the huddle with Max as well. you got to feel pretty good about those kind of players. And, an, and a healthy Nate Hobbs, I, I think you got to feel pretty good about the guys uh, on the defensive side of things that are trying to stop the other team, right, that are trying to slow these guys down. you got to feel better uh, about the defensive position than you did a year ago. But, again, it's all about them gelling 
and coming together. So thanks so much for those texts. Uh, let's see, we got one more, then we'll take a quick break. Big Dub Raider said, hey, Q, not trying to sound like a Debbie Downer, but to just win Wendy's text, the Ravens blew a few double-digit leads last season. I haven't checked to see how many of those games Peters played in, but we may still blow those games with him. Go Raiders, that's from Big Dub Raider. And I mean, sure, anything is possible. Uh, and, and just because you add one guy doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to have any, any issues anymore. But I think it'll help. I think her point was it's going to help in a, long, in, in, in a major way from them doing exactly that. You know, and now you're right. The Ravens probably blew a couple. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what games he played in and that that, that happened in. I have to go back and check and do the research. I mean, nothing is foolproof. Nothing's 100% guaranteed. I just think, to her point, it's going to help the situation. Right when there was guys in positions like in that Rams game where you have to play a certain technique, like they had Sam Webb uh, playing a certain technique where, you know, he he probably shouldn't have been playing that way. One, that's on Patrick Graham for calling the defense the way he did it. Two, it's for a guy that hasn't been there, done that as an undrafted free agent signing, be in that position and didn't really know the the situation. Where a guy like Marcus Peters, I feel like at least he knows that situation and he knows he can't get beat for a touchdown. He knows that you got to keep these guys inbounds because they don't have any timeouts, right? I mean, he's a veteran that knows situational football, something that Patrick Graham has talked about quite a bit. they got to have guys that know situational football, and, and Josh McDaniels has talked about it. Situational football is, is a big deal. Knowing the down and distance, knowing what you can and can't give up, what you can and can't do is going to go a long way. That's what Marcus Peters will help bring to the table. Again, he's not the end-all, be-all. He's not going to save the franchise. He's not going to all of a sudden make the defense top ten. But he'll just add he'll add a little bit of something something to him that'll help him get through games like that as opposed to relying on someone that hasn't really been in that situation uh, that that often in their short career. So thanks so much, Big Dub Raider, for that text. I do appreciate you coming up next as we close out the show. We're gonna have reason or excuse. My man Ari has found some uh, topics that he wants to bring to the table. Plus, he'll tell us what national day of the day it is, and I've already taken a peek at it, and I'll just say I like it. It's all coming up next as we close out the show. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time for Reason or Excuse on Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Before we get into Reason or Excuse, I got to go to the don'tbebroke.com text line real quick. Jim from Yonkers hit us up. Great, great friend of the show. Always chimes in with some really good stuff. Jim said, is just when Wendy single? Always wanted a woman to tell me, nope, they should have passed. LOL, have a good night, 48 days until kickoff. That's from our guy Jim and Yonkers. And I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just going to leave it out there. Just when Wendy's tuned in, she's always listening for the morning tailgate to JT the Brick and Unnecessary Roughness. So I'll just go ahead and let her respond. But uh, there you go. This show, not only is it educational, not only will it make you laugh every once in a while, hell, it might create a, a memories and, and a lifetime of happiness. Making love connections. I'm just saying. Like, we, <laughs> we, we do it all. <laughs> we didn't hooked up Wendell with the Lotus Summer of Fun. Got him out of town and gave him three thousand dollars in his pocket. Man, this show is this show is good on the on on, on everything. <laughs> Where else can you get all that? I'm, hey, look, man. Someone someone call the sales department and let them know what this show does. Oh, we need a couple more sponsors. If that show can do all that in three hours, man, damn it. We need a few more sponsors. I'm just going to say. Maybe, maybe, just maybe they're listening right now. That's no, what I would be doing if I was a salesperson. Not, I would be all involved in the they're product. Definitely and a, they're definitely I'd be not. like, that's a great point by Q. I'm going to see how I can get that. Q, what time's Q on? Speaking no, of kidding. excuses. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's get going here. All right, Q. Commanders may change their, and this is my language, 
They may change their mediocre name, probably to a slightly less mediocre name, in light of the change in ownership and starting on a clean slate. So is that a, is that just a good reason to change it, or is it possibly the fact that they recognize how lame the name is, so it's their chance to use the change of ownership as an excuse to change it? You know, I think that I think it's a good reason to change it if they're going to change it because of, you know, getting rid of Dan Snyder and, and they just want a clean slate. But I also don't think it's a good idea, and this is why. They've changed names so many times. They went from being the Redskins to the Washington football team. Now they're the Commanders. If they change their name again, it'll be another name. Like, this is not a pickup league team. This is not a minor league baseball team. This is a National Football League organization, right? I mean, so I don't think that changing the name, having the fourth name in like five years is a good idea, but that's not, that's just me. I'm from the outside looking in. I'm glad you brought this subject up, though, because earlier today when I was on ESPN with my guy Harry Douglas, we had the Hall of Famer, HOFer, Daryl Green, longtime Washington Redskin. He was on the show, and we did ask him. Harry asked him, as a matter of fact, about changing the name and what he thinks Washington should do. Look, look, anything I say is just a guy down the street on his back deck talking. I'm, 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 I'm uh, as the old, the late John, uh, John Thompson used to say, I'm just Joe the fan. But I would say this: I like to see him change the name, but that that's not going to make or break it. I don't believe. But uh, I just think that. Fresh and new is fresh and new, but hey, again, this is just Joe the, Joe the fan on the back deck. I'm not that that doesn't mean anything. I, I, ain't, I ain't got no, I ain't got nothing. But you know, it's the five dollars I got in my pocket. That's it. <laughs> Joe the fan, Daryl Green, very humble, right? The Hall of Famer. So he thinks that they should change the name. Uh, he was very happy that Dan Snyder was out, right? I mean, happy. Just it was a fresh, a breath of fresh air. So look, that's a guy that was in the organization. For a very long time, he earned that gold jacket. So if he's saying that he feels like the, the name change would be good, then there's some legs to it. Me, I just think that that's too many name changes in a short amount of time. But like he said, I'm just Joe the fan. So what do I know? So I say that it's a it's a reason, but, you know, I guess I guess it could be looked at as an excuse or I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a good topic, though, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I will say personally, even though I have my own, you know, my own opinion on it, I want to change just for selfish reasons. Someone brought up a point I saw on a, an article or something, and it is probably a very expensive proposition. You have all this, uh, what do you call it, everything with all the, the logos Yeah, memorabilia and, stuff, and everything. Yeah. Even if they ch- keep the colors and all that, you still have to change the name. It's probably a big deal, yeah. So yeah, right. no doubt. Good stuff. All right, what else you got for me? I will sneak one in before the, uh, the day. All right, so I just want to know – Raiders fans are so pessimistic, um, and I get why sometimes, but Vic Tafer put out his 12 reasons to be optimistic. Uh, That's right. He told us he was going to do that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I got a lot of, I saw a lot of tweets, not everyone, but there's a lot of reaction was just kind of like negative, just hopeless, like, what can you even be? And you know, they're not reading it. They're just right. seeing the headline. What can you be optimistic about? Uh, so I just want to know, Raider Nation, or what you think you. Is all the pessimism is is the reason for all this pessimism that they just they want to keep their expectations low so they don't have to get all down if if the Raiders do not do well this season and you know there's not much to be optimistic about or is that just an excuse so they can be right and you know the the narrative that the media is a bunch of liars or that the media you know projects these things to make you think whatever uh, I want to know if that's you know just the excuse because I think right. sometimes it gets 
And I get that there's, you know, there's reality to maybe that. Sometimes people don't agree with the media. Right. But is that just kind of like the go-to excuse? Because I sure hear that a lot. No, we do hear that a lot, and I think that's a good question. Uh, I do. I think it's a reason as well, and only because this. And look, I've been a member of Raider Nation for a very long time, right? And I know that it's been very few times where I could talk about playoffs and I could talk about the team making a deep run and challenging for the Super Bowl. It's been so long. And so I believe, uh, and this is me removing you know, any media tag that I may have, podcast, radio, whatever the case may be, just the fan. If I'm sitting in a bar with a bunch of fans, the frustration is, when is this team going to get right? right? And so right now the fan base is so frustrated and the expectations are always going to be low until it's proven that they could be high consistently. And of course, when you have a little bit of taste of that, when you go into the playoffs in 2021, regardless of how you got there, and then all of a sudden you, you make a, a bunch of changes in 2022, even changes that you think could make the team better and you only win six games, the frustrations mount even higher. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, this team is going to stink. And then you make more changes in the offseason, and now you look at it and say, okay, this team's really going to stink, right? I mean, so now, right now, I think Raider Nation is so frustrated, and I get it. Again, I try to stay level-headed. I try not to go one way or the other, too high or too low. I feel like it's never as bad as it looks, and it's never as good as it looks either. I try not to do that, but I understand. I really do because just, again, as a pure fan, it's like, damn, what the hell's going on? Can this team get right, right? This was a franchise that was such a proud franchise and was a commitment to excellence and just win baby and, you know, this, that, and the other team of the decades, and they were they were that team where you knew every year that they were going to consistently make runs into the playoffs. That was the expectations. All the greats, the history of the Raiders, as JT's putting together the ultimate Raider team. Well, it's hard to put a, put players that are new players on that team because they just haven't had it. So uh, it's it's not it's not how it should be. You know, there should be some some positivity, but the negativity I get and I totally understand. So I, I'll, I I'm not going to use it as an excuse. I'll say that it's a reason for Raider Nation to be pessimistic because they've been given 20 plus years of. Well, not consistently good football. Matter of fact, consistently bad football over the years. And so that's unfortunate. That's what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are in charge of turning this thing around. And until they do, there's going to be a lot of questions and there's going to be a lot of negativity. So, uh, yeah, reason for me is for sure. All right. I'll take No, that is that is fair. I, I understand the pessimism. I haven't been rocking with y'all for the last 20 years, so I'm not quite as uh... – Well, get right, man. You need to get right, man. I mean, Dang. get pessimistic, right? <laughs> <laughs> you need to do no, something. No, no, that right? that's that's fair reasoning. I, I can respect that. So, all right, uh, and, and we'll just wrap this up real quick with uh, today. It only took less than a month for me to have you say that you like one. Yep. National Tequila Day. There you go. And you can commem- commemorate that with a little lime and salt, uh, mix up a margarita, Paloma. Wife, such. it's National Tequila Day. <laughs> Shout out to Paloma. Yeah. Oh. Apparently, she's got her own uh, drink. There you go. The wife, just, the, the wife just yelled in, in, in rejoicement for uh, National <laughs> Tequila Day. We got one. We got a winner. Look, that is a winner, right? Margaritas are fantastic. I'm a Cadillac margarita guy, as everyone knows. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I'll say if you're going to celebrate National Tequila Day, which I have no problem with you doing that, make sure you do it safely. Make, I suggest you stay at home. You know, celebrating the comforts of your own home. So uh, when the celebration may go a little too far, you can just lay it on down, man. Go to bed and not worry about nothing. So uh, don't be crazy. Don't be reckless. Just uh, enjoy National Tequila Day and do it the best way you know how. That's a nice PSA from Unnecessary Roughness. Well done, Ari. Well done. I like that. National Tequila Day. So uh, that's going to do it for us, Raider Nation. Make sure you tune into the morning tailgate at 930. You'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. 
He'll open up training camp for the Silver and Black in 2023. We're back, baby! Football! Let's do it. It's Red Nation Radio 920. Have a great evening.